welcome to the podcast of Of Course They Make Me Crazy. It's about crazy family stories. We all have one, right? More importantly, it's for those of you living with someone who suffers with a mental illness. You can start to feel lost in their world. Now, I get it. I grew up with a bipolar mom addicted to pain pills. Hoping the stories shared here will help you through difficult days. It's not all serious. We laugh and joke, too. If you have little ones around, pop in your headphones. Adults only, please. Everyone, welcome to the podcast. Of course, they make me crazy. Hey there, I'm the host, April Norris. So glad you're joining us. And this guy joining me today uh, is Warren. Warren, hey, Warren. Hi, how are you? Good, good, good. So, Warren started a podcast called The Flawed Dad's Guide to Parenting. What do you think about that? And he did it with his friend, Graham. So, and they talk about their struggles of, you know, raising their children. Uh, they talk about how no parent is perfect, of course. And so you bounce out there if you feel like you're going crazy, not knowing if you're doing things right, even though, you know, many of you, well, he feels that way too, right? You just don't know sometimes too. And that, that's kind of what helped prompt your podcast. So, um, all right. So Warren, you have three little girls I do beautiful <laughs> beautiful little girls yet yeah, 10 8 and 6 years old oh your hands are full dad very full very full we're just uh virgin on that preteen and coming into the teenage years but still dealing with the you know just coming out of the um what what would it be just after toddler stage and so we've got a real mix of emotions and and situations going on in the house do you at least have a male dog I do have a male dog. Yes. <laughs> we, we actually, we just got a new puppy just to add some more chaos to the house back in December. And uh, yeah, he and I commiserate and, and there's a lot of long walks being taken. <laughs> love that. I love that. All right. So let's jump into, you know, um, why you all started your pod. Tell me a little bit more about it and what led you and Graham to do this together. Sure. Thanks for asking. Um, so my household has been going through some challenging events with uh, particularly one of our one of our children. And Graham was somebody that I leaned on a lot for advice with regards to parenting. Um, Graham's very well read on the topics and he spends a lot of time on reading parenting books, those sorts of things. So essentially my middle child became suicidal in the, in the fall. Um, it was a huge surprise to my wife and I, and we weren't quite sure how to deal with it. And so I went to somebody that I believed had a lot of answers and, and was well read my friend Graham. And we started having conversations about how as a parent, I could better prepare myself for some of the challenges that I was going to face and these sorts of things. And there were a lot of late night conversations over a beer or that sort of thing. And, and Graham and I have known each other since uh, being fraternity brothers in university. And so many of those conversations would devolve into laughter and, and a lot of fun. And, and we thought, well, why not take a serious situation like this, a, a serious conversation about parenting make it fun and record it. And we'll talk about being flawed parents and the focus more being on my flawed style of parenting than on his. <laughs> and, and when I started to share stories about what I was going through with my daughter, that sort of thing, a lot of people in my social network were really happy to hear that because they were going through a lot of 
household mental health issues as well through the situation around COVID-19, but they didn't feel comfortable mentioning it. They didn't, they didn't know that everybody else was going through the same thing. And so with that, it, the podcast developed into something where we were talking not just about issues around uh, child suicide, those sorts of things, but just general topics about being a flawed dad and how we can get better. And, and my belief is that the second we understand that we're not perfect parents, because there is no such thing as a perfect parent, Absolutely. we can move forward with getting better as a parent. And so our podcast is really a lot of laughter and poking fun at the fact that we don't know what we're doing and that no matter what you say uh, that you're not going to be right all the time because every child has to be parented differently. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I love that. I love that. That's, you know, really why I created, of course, they make me crazy. You know, it's, it's because uh, living with a mom with bipolar, uh, you had your ups, your downs, and she did some funny shit, you know, when she was, uh, you know, taking meds and just, you know, I grew up with a crazy family who it wasn't funny at the time, maybe. But <laughs> it's funny now looking back. Um, yeah, we have so, to learn to laugh at it. And you and have to learn. Yeah. Even when you're in the situation, being able to kind of laugh at it and poke fun at it, it, it makes it so much easier to get through. Yeah, absolutely. Like, can you believe this happened? Listen to that. <laughs> That's exactly right. And sharing those stories and being able to laugh at them yourself makes it more comfortable for other people to share their stories and be able to get over the situations that they feel so stuck and buried in. Absolutely. I am right there with you. I love it. I love it. Well, let's jump in a little bit more um, in regards to your daughter. I believe you said she was eight years old at the time that she was struggling with this, or it still might be eight years old. Still is, yeah. Okay. And to me, that was when you first told me that we had jumped on a call and I was like, oh my God, you know, uh, for me, eight years old just seems like such a, you know, so young, like still a baby and to how for them to have those kind of emotions, you know, I don't have children. So I was talking to my little sister about this, who has my nephew, Carlito, who is essentially like mine (laughs) in a way, um, uh, whether he wants to be or not. No. <laughs> and uh, she said, well, you know, April Carlito really had starting had those thoughts, you know, at that age too. And, um, or just thoughts of insecurity and what yeah. people thought of him and, and things of that sort. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, uh, so let's jump into this and, and talk a little bit about uh, first off, I'm so sorry, you know, that your precious little thing was, was feeling that way. Thank uh, you. How did you learn about it first off? And then we can kind of roll into the emotions it all played in, you know. In yeah, she actually, that. she brought it to my wife one evening and um, she, she said that she no longer wanted to live and that she was going to take a knife from the kitchen and put it into herself. And it terrified us. It was, it was, you know, the worst thing we've ever experienced. And we didn't know what was going on. Our first reaction was where should, where could she be learning this? And then very quickly realized it doesn't matter. Yeah. We can't protect our kids from the things that they're going to hear and, and the things they're going to experience because with a digital world, everything is at their fingertips. And so we Mm -hmm. moved beyond that and just thought, how do we get her help? How do we deal with this situation? 
And so we immediately reached out and uh, I'm here in Canada. We have a very, very good um, healthcare system with a lot of support for mental illness and, and for suicide and um, those sorts of things. And so we immediately started reaching out to different, um, different organizations and, and um, hospitals, uh, counselors, all of those sorts of things. And they were all, they sprung to action immediately, um, which was absolutely amazing. We had, you know, psychiatrist visits and, and clinical counselor visits almost immediately. Um, and so we were able to, to dive right in really quickly and start to get her the help that she needed. But, um, you know, it's, it's been almost three months now, and it still continues to this day. She's mm-hmm. diagnosed with depression. Um, but a lot, of the, a lot of the issue, we believe, is a lack of language skills to be able to really express how she's feeling with regards to shame and um, lack of self-confidence, self-doubt, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So we've been working on trying to expand her vocabulary to express herself in different, in different ways. Um, we discovered that a lot of this was coming from bullying uh, yeah. at the school. And so uh, we actually wound up changing schools, pulling her uh, out of that school and going to a different school uh, in order to try and give her a new social situation where she could restart friendships and that sort of thing. Absolutely. would have done the same thing. Would was she distraught when she came to your wife and said that? Was she having a breakdown and, or did she just matter of factly come in and say, this is how I'm feeling? It was, it was more of a breakdown and it okay. tends to that it repeats itself when she's having a lot of anger issues. And uh, it's particularly prevalent in situations where she's feeling embarrassed or shame. And I think that's something that we don't recognize and deal with in our kids enough that, mm-hmm. you know, when they feel shame, it's something that they believe is going to last forever. And they want to try to ex- escape that situation, that shame. And the only way they know how is to just stop feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a very, very scary aspect. And so we have to try to, and this is something my wife and I have been trying to do with our daughter is teach her that shame is not forever that you can get past it and, and that a situation doesn't last forever, that you always have control over your life and, and you get to make the decisions in the future as to what your life is going to look like and try and return power into their hands. Mm-hmm. I love, I mean, I hate that this happened to her, but don't you feel in a way if it had to happen, if it had to, you know, there's always good things that come out of very bad situations that this is a good jumping point for both of your other daughters too, in regards to everything you're talking about. And and they're young enough to where they can take it and hopefully lead the rest of their lives with it. Yeah. You know, like I, yeah. I mean, you know, before you and I uh, started to record, I was telling you about that little boy, uh, Gabriel, yeah. he made national news, well, at least here in the U.S., you, you probably, I mean, probably all over, you know, but, um, and he ha- was, he killed himself by hanging himself with his bed sheets from his bunk bed uh, because he was being bullied and he never, his mom said, you know, I just wish I would have known um, that that was going on. And I just, I feel so bad, but then, you know, made me think, God, thank God, Warren, that you were able yeah. to. Yeah. I've, I've tried to reframe it 
positively for myself because otherwise it would be a really depressing situation. Yeah. I think our daughter was comfortable enough to communicate with us at eight years old, the challenges she was facing, which has allowed us to have open lines of communication with her, which are hopefully the foundation for when these issues crop back up again, when she's a teenager, because if she thinks things are hard now at the age of eight, I mean, wait till she's 14 and, and, you know, girls are hard on each other as, as teenagers and, and the pressures with boys and, and drugs and all of that is going to create some real challenges. And so we're looking at this as we've got an opportunity right now to create lines of communication that will last her through the rest of her life. And, and we're being able to address and give her the coping skills to be able to deal with this before the issues are really big issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as a parent, I feel for, for uh, Gabriel's parents, you know, it's really tough. You feel like I could have done more, you know, maybe I should have done this, but the reality is our kids don't necessarily share it with us because if it, it, a lot of bullying as a victim is shame-based, you feel bad that it's happening to you and, and you you don't want to report it because you're you're ashamed that you're in that situation in the first yeah. place. Mm-hmm. And so as a parent, we didn't know and we and we're very close with our kids. We didn't know for uh, until after a month that all the suicide issues came up that she was being bullied at school. And it wasn't until another parent actually exposed it to us and said, I had my son look into what's going on with your daughter. We're very fortunate. We have a close community here in our our, our little town. Yeah. Um, and the son had come back to his dad and said, yeah, she's she's being bullied by some of the other kids in her class. And then we were able to expose it all. God, well, at least and then you're so your other two daughters, are they in the same school as your middle child or are they in all separate schools? The younger one is in the same school. The older one goes to a different school. So we have we have a, a, a smattering of mental health issues in our house. Uh, our older daughter is uh, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, um, a, a wide range of different learning disabilities. And so she goes to a school that specializes in education techniques for her challenges. Okay. Okay. And so it wasn't like the big sister was hearing about anything and could come to her rescue. It's the younger one that probably didn't have a clue. No, what was no, going the, on. And, and the, the health mental health challenges, this is presented for her in seeing her older sister uh, not want to be here anymore. Uh, Cause that was, that was the verbiage that my daughter continually used is that she didn't, she started to feel as though she wasn't enough to keep mm-hmm. her older sister happy. And so it's just been this, it's, it's been a, a kind of a, you know, chain of events that has affected everybody in the household and everybody's had a, a dose of, of mental health issues just because of this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, reframing it, it's giving us an opportunity to grow as a family and get closer because we're addressing these issues early on. I think that's so precious that, you know, her younger sister feels that way. I mean, I get it. I felt that way with, with my family too. It's like, are we not enough? You know, we love you. Mm-hmm. It's okay if somebody else didn't that, you know, it's okay if somebody else doesn't, but we're the ones that are important. We should matter. 
Um, yeah, hopefully that's a symbol for, for the love that they'll have for each other throughout their lives. Absolutely. I'm sure that this is creating a huge bond for them and probably something that is going to help them protect each other and look, look, you know, over each other even more. I'm sure your middle child will never let anything happen to the younger Yeah, daughter. she's... She'll be very defensive of her little sister. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And, you know, with with all the the counseling and things, I'm sure she's going to be one strong cookie, uh, you know, in the that's end of that's the hope. Yeah. Between yeah. between all the new skills that my wife and I are learning through the time that we're spending with counselors and and um, educators and everything with regards to this and then the skills that she's getting we're hoping that we're going to wind up a, a good leg ahead on these types of issues for when, again, as I mentioned, when they really rear their ugly heads in teenage years. So you've moved her to a different school. Yes. Uh, all three of them really, right? Yeah. They're all, they're all in a different school now. Okay. Um, the older one being at, at the same school for the last, uh, whatever it is now, four months. And then the younger two being at a, a, um, a school here in the community, a, a Catholic school. Because they just started to go back because of COVID, correct? Yeah. Well, okay. well, we we opened in Vancouver. We opened back up in September. So oh, okay. We were back right away. Um, yeah. So they they spent the first three months at uh, at the old school, and then in January started back up at the new school. Okay. So, well, how is she feeling? I mean, is she was she first? Was she good with going to counseling and talking to a stranger about this? Or was yeah. she like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. She's, she's an incredibly outgoing personality. Um, okay. She's an amazing individual. I, I wish more people could meet somebody like her because she is absolutely precious. She's uh, a true empath. So she, she takes on other people's emotions. She's incredibly compassionate, um, very intelligent, wise beyond her years in terms of being able to express her emotions and so seeing a counselor she was very comfortable with, which was, yes. which was good. And knowing that because her, her mom suffers from anxiety and depression, um, knowing that her mom already does that gave her the right off the bat, the ability to do it without there being a stigma attached to it. Um, yes. And I would go with her to the, to the therapy. So it was very much kind of a family activity that, um, you know, we were all there to provide her with the support that she needed. Oh, that's wonderful. And so how is she doing today? Is she's, she, I mean, she's, I'm sure she's flourishing. Oops. I just dropped my pens. Like, boop. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's, um, she's got her good days and her bad days. Yes. Um, she, because she's such an outgoing personality, she's gotten into a little bit of trouble at this new school with, uh, with boys. And so she's grade three and she started a kissing game at the new oh. school. And, um, I don't falter, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're an affectionate, affectionate family, you know, her mother and I don't, don't hide that from, from the kids. Yeah. Uh, and so she's, she's gotten herself into a little bit of trouble. She, she just, she chose two boys, pulled them aside and told which one that, uh, he was going to be her boyfriend. The other, that he was not going to be the boyfriend. <laughs> The parents of the one who was not chosen were not happy with the situation. Oh, so there, there have been a few things that have happened at the new school and with the, the school being a fairly conservative school, they're not, they're not quite happy with the language that she uses, you know, talking about love and these sorts of things. Okay. Um, 
so she, some of those situations where she's been pulled aside by teachers and, and administrators at the school have then led her going into a bit of a shame spiral. And, oh. and then that leads to the same issues when she gets home. And so originally, you know, we tried to deal with this by saying, you know, these sorts of things are totally natural. You know, we understand that you, that you like boys. Um, it's totally understandable. You know, kissing isn't bad, but at the school, they don't like that. You know, it's, it's a rule at the school that you're not behaving in this manner. The problem with that was that she went back to school and did it again, because if mom and dad don't think it's such a bad thing, then why should I listen to the guidance of the school? (laughs) So then we get another hands full, dude. (laughs) Very much so. (laughs) And so we got another email from the teacher indicating what was, you know, some other actions that took place. And so eventually we had to change our messaging to, okay, the school doesn't like it. Yeah. Now you've gone against what we've asked you to do. So now we're unhappy with this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that you should feel shame for what you did, but right. that you need to recognize that when mom and I say this isn't an acceptable, acceptable action, that you need to respect that. Yeah. And so she said, okay. She said, okay. And, and she's the type of kid, she comes back every day and goes, dad, guess what? I didn't kiss any boys today. I didn't tell any boys that I love them today. And it's like, great. Good job. Double thumbs up, girl. Well, well, yeah. well done, Allie. <laughs> My concern though, is that, that, you know, this type of, of um, regulation of her, of her emotions is going to stunt her from feeling comfortable when she's older in sharing those types of things. And so yeah. I, I try and make sure that I'm balancing it out and saying, look, you're just, you're a little young to be expressing these types of emotions at this moment, right? Mm-hmm. You, you mm-hmm. understand what familial love is, but you don't really know what romantic love is. And so this is something that we will discuss and develop over time. Yeah. I, I don't know, maybe I'm one of those new agey kind of dads that's comfortable talking about this kind of stuff with my daughter, but I'd much rather her have the conversation with me than hide it from me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, think about, you know, what the other consequence could have been, you know, just as we were, we were discussing. And, you know, I love even though that she was, you know, being bullied, what were they actually doing to her? What was the situation? There was a lot of exclusion. Um, There was uh, some name calling. And then the the big thing was telling her that she shouldn't live anymore. Mm. And, and that's the one that really got to her. Um, And so that, that really started this kind of uh, the issues that, that presented themselves. So Warren, that's serious. You know, mm-hmm. obviously that issue has come up a lot, you know, with kids um, not so much being charged or maybe they have, but it's been a serious issue where it's been a yeah. court thing. And so those parents of the kids that said something that dramatic do they know that this is happening? Do they, were they addressed with it or? We considered that. We made mm-hmm. the decision to leave it. We okay. informed the school. So the school knew about it. But what I didn't want to have happen is the same sort of shame spiral happened for those kids. Okay. You know, I, I, I wasn't interested in retribution or revenge or anything like that. I just wanted my daughter to be safe and happy. Mm-hmm. And so the school, um, 
once they were informed, said that they were going to watch for this activity to see if it took place again. Um, and at that point, they would step in. Um, so we never approached the other parents or or even the community about it. We just kind of left it and decided that the best course of action for us without doing damage to anybody else mm-hmm. was to just remove her, remove our daughter from the situation. Yeah, I just wonder maybe if that school should, you know, have some kind of, I don't know, maybe not now, but down the line, you know, when everybody starts to really come back is... Well, you guys have been back, but yeah. Talk about they, why you shouldn't say something like that because your your friend could could die because yeah. of they, saying they, something they they mentioned to us that they were going to do a lot of a lot more anti-bullying uh education. Mm-hmm. And uh we're still very close with a lot of the parents from for students at the school. Okay. And those parents were very upset by us feeling as though we had to leave the the community school. And so they're putting a lot of pressure on the school to improve their techniques for dealing with these types of situations and for recognizing when these situations are happening because the the teachers and the administrators had no idea that this was going on. Yeah. It wasn't until that we we brought it to light and the other students were coming forward to other parents to inform them that this was happening. Mm-hmm. And so I think, at least I hope, that the actions that those other parents have taken and that we have taken in informing the school is going to cause the school to check what they're doing and, and really start to improve. Yeah, absolutely. Goodness gracious. Well, I love that you're doing this. Um, (laughs) Thank you. And I'm getting a lot out of it. And, and even beyond the whole issues with my daughter, I would say that Every episode we do, I take something from it that is making me a better dad. And so even if not a single person ever listened to my podcast, I'd still be getting a huge amount out of it because I'm, I'm becoming a better father because of it. And I, I get to spend that time with a friend of mine and laugh and joke and have a beer and, and really enjoy the time becoming a better dad. It doesn't have to be this like daunting thing. It can be something that's fun. Absolutely. I mean, exactly. I I just, I mean, that's, that's how I think I survive some days (laughs) 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 is listening to other podcasts, you know, so it's to hear other people talk is my medicine to hear how they've coped is my medicine. It gets me through my three hour daily commute. So absolutely. I know me too. My, my two hour daily commute. Well, I really hope that everybody checks you out. And so before we go, we'll wrap this up. But before we go, um, I just love your spirit. I think it's awesome. And uh, so is there something that you tell yourself every day like when she comes <laughs> home and she gets in trouble for trying to kiss boys? By the way, my teacher told my mom that she should lock me in the closet until like I'm 21 uh, because I was such a flirt and uh, she probably should have. No. <laughs> From what I understand, that's fairly ineffective. Yeah. Uh, you'll find a way out of that closet and, and the, neighbor, the neighborhood boy's house. So, <laughs> Oh, well, then um, I got older and I became like a monogamous dater. Like just, a, I'm always in a, you know what I mean? Like I've, yeah. you know, I'm not a dater. I mean, it's, you know, I'll, we'll go to coffee and then there we're in a 10 year relationship. You know? There you go. Um, in terms of what do I tell myself every yeah, day? Something to keep you present and positive. This too shall pass. Yeah. It's very mm-hmm. much a, a mantra in our house is, is every issue that comes up is 
rather than taking it on as this is a permanent issue that must be solved this second, particularly with stages for our daughters, is this too shall pass. Um, I, it doesn't necessarily mean accepting the situation. It means getting making it better, but knowing that all of these are stages and that our kids are not bad kids. They're not, um, you know, they're not always going to suffer through these situations that if we do the right things, this will pass. You got that right. Well, thank you so much. That's my, and my pleasure. I will let everybody know how to get a hold of you so you can check him out. The information of where you can find Warren uh, and his buddy Graham, I'll have that in the show notes. Thank Thanks you. Thanks so much for joining us. Those of us living with people suffering from a mental illness have a lot to deal with too. They're not the only ones hurting. We hurt with them. Having a supportive community is so important to your health. Would love to hear your story too. Email, of course they make me crazy, at gmail.com.